Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Otari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who loves Rio. <laughs> I specifically love Rio uh, between the wars, uh, just a little bit prior to uh, to when this film takes place. Uh, oh, yeah? Why is that? I really feel, I just, I feel like all of brazil lost its innocence once the nazis started fleeing there yeah that's one of those interesting things um what a weird place are you like the motorcycles that was a great motorcycle yeah um Um, yeah that actually i i accidentally made that sound like a legitimate criticism of brazil (laughs) yeah yeah no at all Um, it's just one of those things though that you you read about and it's like why brazil yeah. What a weird um, country. I mean, I assume there's geopolitical reasons for it. I know there are, but I just don't know what they are. So whenever it's like, oh, Brazil, and then it's like, okay, well, Ar- sure, why not? Argentina comes up a lot. I don't know what the politics in Brazil were at, like at the time. Argentina's been, been a series of, of maddening uh, maddening politics for a while, so hiding in Argentina probably wouldn't have been that hard. As for Brazil, I, I just assume that... Uh, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to like uh, uh, retrospectively apply some sort of weird colonialism view of South America, uh, and 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 suggest that Brazil was an easy place to hide because of anything. Uh, we've certainly seen movies not only set but filmed in Brazil uh, within you know twenty thirty years of this. Yeah, um, and you know. It's just yeah. uh, it's just a weird thing that comes up. You hear, you know, whenever, whenever like somebody wants to do something about Nazis post war, it's yeah. it's always just like this weird like. And then they fled to insert random South American country here. <laughs> yeah, it's like all right, yeah. sure, why not? Why the? I mean, obviously, not? rumors of it happening uh, have always always been around. Right, but this this movie really runs with it as fact. I'm sure a lot of them actually did flee to South America. Um, oh, there we go. Uh, secret file. Uh, this is a Daily Mail uh, UK article. Um, so take from that what you will. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> it is the Daily Mail. But their headline says uh, that uh, recently unearthed documents um, reveal that 5,000 Nazis went to Argentina. Between 1,500 and 2,000 ended up in Brazil and up to a thousand in Chile, uh, whereas uh, a number of the remaining thousand plus ended up in Paraguay and Uruguay. So, but here's the thing, right? I assume those people fled there and then just was like, "Okay, here's my chance, reset." Yeah, they weren't. I'm just going to didn't... be a person that is not a not a man who has been hung by the neck until dead. Yeah. Uh, Argentina, it ends up, uh, the files reveal that 10,000 blank Argentine passports, uh, were sold to Odessa. Um, So that's why, that's why Argentina ends up, again, this is all pulling from the first article to pop up was the Daily Mail. Uh, anyway. Right. Okay. You uh, might want to introduce the movie.
this week uh, we are talking about the uh, the Nazis in Brazil love story <laughs> that is. That's, that's how they should have done it on the criteria. Bit. <laughs> the world's best love Nazis in Brazil love story. Yes, um, notorious uh, 1946 uh, spy thriller love story film. I feel, I feel like Alfred they would Hitchcock. use the word preeminent. Preeminent, world's the preeminent, preeminent Nazis in Brazil. Nazi in Brazil love story. Yeah. Um, starring Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman uh, and Claude Rains, I suppose. <laughs> He's the, the suppose. third in our love triangle. We should probably mention him. Um, uh, it's not like he's a no-name actor here. We're not talking about, like, no, Joe no, Schmo off not. the street here. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, uh, interestingly enough, um, we talked a bit last week. I suggested that this film was kind of the first... Well, not the first, but this was this was a better example of Hitchcock work uh, because uh, while he was still under contract to Selznick here, he was kind of off. Selznick was more hands-off uh, because it was an RKO picture. I did find out just this morning, uh, as I was doing a little more reading, Selznick was involved with all of the pre-production for this. They sold mm. it to RKO right before production Okay, started. so this is essentially a Selznick film... Just uh, like in fact made by RKO. In fact, uh, in fact, Selznick's uh, one of Selznick's scriptwriters, uh, Ben Hesch, who co-wrote Spellbound with Hitchcock, uh, also co-wrote the script for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I would. I will still stand by that this is the the first Hitchcock feeling film uh, that we've. Uh, it is more Hitchcocky, yes. Since, it is definitely since he came to since he came to America, and I I I'd say, and I don't think it's a very uh, very uh, controversial thing to say that this is probably the best of the work he did in the '40s in his first decade in the U.S. Um, well, what are what 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 yeah. are the rest of our comparison points? Because I don't remember. Well, I mean, just compared to the last two films. Well, we've yeah, watched, compared to the last two films, yes, certainly better. It was um, it was good. It was yeah. It was. Not, it was more suspenseful than the previous two. That's for sure. Yeah. But still not super duper suspenseful. <laughs> I just feel there are, there are, there are marks uh, of what I consider to be uh, Hitchcockian uh, that this film exhibits that the other films did not. Uh, the camera work is definitely one of them. Um I think particularly uh, the uh, the shot at the beginning of the party where the camera starts sort of uh, a crane shot kind of even above the second floor balcony. And yeah. we sweep through the party and then end up zooming in, uh, not just on our main characters, but on the key uh, in Bergman's hand. Um, that That is the sort of shot we haven't seen yet. In the in the other that's true stuff. yeah there, it's definitely it is definitely more artistic in a lot of yeah. ways I mean like a lot of the cuts and stuff feel very much like you know a little bit more that way I the story I, I was more speaking story wise well well I think also story wise uh, this uh, this script has a little more wit uh, I think spellbound was was leaning toward that it was but, yeah. uh, but uh, certainly, certainly, Rebecca, I feel lacks lacks a wit that I that I define as Hitchcockian. 
Uh, there was one scene I was fortunate enough to see. I've watched this twice, um, just to watch the Criterion Edition as well. But uh, I was fortunate enough to to watch this film uh, at a film festival uh, in a theater uh, last week, and uh, watching it with people really <laughs> is really a, a good experience. What I happened? Think, I, think I any, mean, what's what changes? Movie. But I, mean, I, I know that generally watching with people is better. Yeah. But I think just, uh, like, the scene where, uh, the scene where, um, uh, oh, what's his face, uh, Claude Rain's character, uh, after, after he's discovered the key has been replaced and therefore knows that, uh, knows that Alicia is, uh, um, is an American agent or suspects she's an American agent. Yeah. And he goes to talk to his mother about that, waking her up in the middle of the night. And the mother immediately says, I knew, um, and, and takes out a cigarette. Um, that, that played a lot better as comedy when you had, when you had a hundred people laughing oh, I see, at I it. see. Um, yeah, I can and see it is, it is a funny reaction, but, but watching it, watching it alone. It's, it's um, not like laugh out loud funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot so, of a lot of good things to be said. I, I mean, for me, the only the only issue is like, I wanted something to ha- I, nothing. Nothing <laughs> happens that isn't exactly what you expect to happen. Yeah, it's not. It's thing. not a super surprising story. Um, there's not. Uh, I mean, the suspense. The suspense over. It, Okay, what this is is it's a love. This is a love story, period. Yeah, and spy I, and, story trappings, right? Whereas, whereas other stuff that we've seen, like Spellbound, was not a love story, period. It was a suspense story, period. Right. With with a a couple that fell in love, um, but the love story was not the driving factor. It was not the driving drama. Right, and it is here. The driving drama of this story is the love is the love and the interesting thing is like on the criterion blurb i think it's the criterion blurb they describe it as like hitchcock's first attempt at true mature romance in a story okay um and i can kind of see that i mean i I get where they're coming from because it's definitely again i i think this is probably hitchcock's first attempt at at producing a romance that was a, or a movie that is a romance first and whatever else it is. Right, exactly. Second. And 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 rather than the, the romance in the story just being a weird sort of side note, it is the yeah. thing. And I get it. It's and it's good for that. Although like their their relationship to me is just just I think I'm just suffering from some sort of weird incomprehensibility like issue. Like I'm like <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? Like uh, Devlin's Devlin's cynicism and the fact that he doesn't like he basically just treats her like an asshole. Yeah, like I, I, my I only mean, note first, I wrote the first was, night I wrote I wrote like a few notes. I did that classic thing where I wrote notes for like the first five minutes. And I was like, ah, fuck yeah. this! I'm not gonna write notes about this. They go. I have a note that says like I don't have them with me, but like one of them was like, wow, he's a grade A asshole. <laughs> and then, well, he does. He does knock her out with a switch, swift punch to the right. Temple. And so one of the things the I, first yeah, night I was like, they meet. actually the first thing on my notes is, did he just punch her? Yes, he did just punch her. And then and um, then I was and the next one was like, man, I really think he's overstepped his legal purview here. Like he just like <laughs> manhandles her, like takes over her car. 
Like, I do not think what he is doing is legal. I don't care what department of what government he works for. <laughs> the fact that he flashes a badge to get rid of the cop. Right, but, like, um, in general, like, in the car with her, like, commandeer... Like, basically, like... Yeah. Commandeers she, her. Admittedly, she is drunk. But, right, uh, but, like, drunk means go to jail, not have random, possibly, yeah. FBI agent molest you. Yeah. Yeah, the fact the fact that we don't know what organization he works for is a little <laughs> yeah, a little out there too. But uh, yeah, I think like probably naming the organization would have been too well, yeah, too much. Um, interestingly, in casting, despite the fact that the uh, the Criterion essay suggests that Selznick uh, Selznick had very much a lot of say in casting. Apparently, after they sold it to RKO, uh, Selznick tried to get Cary Grant replaced with uh, uh, Joseph Cotton. Joseph Cotton. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember um, Joseph Cotton. Uh, Joseph Cotton was. Uh, um, oh yeah. Here, quick, quick, quick one you'll remember. Joseph Cotton was the main character Holly in the Third Man. Oh okay. Um, oh okay. yeah. That's uh, really different. Yeah, yeah, it really, really would have been quite different. Um, <laughs> that's we are we are in an age of Hollywood where our male stars are not quite as interchangeable as they are today. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, they, they but yeah, Hollywood but, at the time didn't know what they were missing. I guess, in, I guess. insert very very ripped ripped blonde man here. <laughs> well, ripped ripped some light-haired fellow here. Yeah. Um anyway. Yeah, no. I I in, interesting. That's weird. But, uh, but yeah, okay. So, you know, what was I? I I had a thought in my Well, I mean, other than the fact that <laughs> oh, like so his 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 behavior is just it's just just a constant experience of like what the fuck is going on here for me? But like I get it. He's supposed to be a kind of male character that that is beyond my comprehension. Got it. Understood. Whatever. Like, he's something that is like, I'm not, like, maybe somebody at some point was supposed to understand the reactions he has. Well, I don't. The but... sort of the sort of guy you will never relate to. Right, exactly. It's, it's what he is. It's and so, okay, that's fine. Yeah. I, I can deal with that. Um, and she's interesting enough. Although I do have a problem in general. I brought it up really briefly. Is like, what? What? Okay, first of all, they went straight to just Nazis. Like, I understand it's 1946, but come on. I mean, it's just straight. Like, it's like, oh, I know what they are. They're bad guys. They must be Nazis. Like, um. Well, yeah. But what the fuck is their plan? Um. They are mining uranium, storing yes. it in champagne bottles, and then what? Uh, I, I assume, don't know what their plan is. I assume that this is playing on the general public, the audience of this film, having enough knowledge about the bombs that were literally just dropped. Understood. I understand. I understand that they're playing um, into fears, but what I'm telling you is there's no there's no imminent threat. I think well, we have no indication that anything bad is going to happen if they don't stop these guys from filling champagne bottles with sand and uranium. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Uh, even within the realm of the film, there is just Like I could get it if it was the, just uh, like we need to catch all the Nazis. That'd be one thing. Yeah. But they throw in this yeah. uranium thing as like it's got to be. We have to have this extra. They as can't if, just be Nazis. As if that's some sort. 
they can't just be Nazis and we have to stop them from being Nazis. We have to know what they're planning and why. Right, they have here. to be Nazis with evil plans. <laughs> and it's just a yeah, weird extra guys... note. Like, it's not actually necessary. It doesn't do... I mean, it's necessary in the sense that, like, the interactions with the uranium set things off, but that you could easily have yeah. hashed that out and replaced that with something else. She could have found, like, a Nazi flag, bear, like, in a box somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it wouldn't have changed anything. You know what I mean? The wine cellar could have had a secret door that led to... Nazi enclave, whatever. It didn't matter. Like, my point is, it's like, oh, like, we've got well, we've got plot. fear of the bomb we just dropped, plus Nazis. Let's do this shit. The plot itself is is a MacGuffin to, uh, I mean, the not the plot of the film, the the Nazi, right, the Nazi plot, plot is, yeah. is a MacGuffin to to keep uh, to keep the intrigue in and to keep the story moving, right? And it, because again, this is this is a romance, more, right? But the thing is, I'm, I'm just saying that like it's just a little bit. It's a very easy choice that was yeah. made. That uh, it wasn't well, actually strictly necessary. I think probably we're we're talking the very the very cusp of the Cold War. I think probably just the suggestion that uh, the fleeing enemy could have the power to throw together a bomb uh, and do do to us what we just did to Japan. Right. Um, Although I really liked like uranium, especially at this time in 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 human history, as like. Oh, the only thing you need to build an atomic bomb is just raw, <laughs> randomly mined uranium, and you're good to go. Like, yeah. they are like 8,000 steps yeah. away from a bomb right now. Yeah, five guys. They are dudes with one rocks, of, basically. One of whom is a scientist. Yeah, it's, it's probably, ridiculous. definitely do something It's just a keyword, right? It's like terrorism now. It just it does the yeah. same thing, right? Like, oh. Well, I mean, it, it, it would be the same thing as a, a dirty nuke. Right, um, yeah. Like the, or chemical which weapons was, or something like that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some sort Basically, of the some rock. sort of WMD, yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> made up weird, just... crazy chemical weapons. Um, but yeah, no, it's and I'm fine with it. It's just like I kind of almost would have appreciated a little more creativity in that department. I know it's just a MacGuffin, but like, it is. <laughs> but like a well, a well placed and well written MacGuffin is what's going to make this story more or less intense. And and. I, the the romance is fairly well yeah. written. I like. I do like. Despite him being totally in borderline just, psychopath and totally incomprehensible, the love story yeah. is interesting. The, I mean, the the back and forth play on like how they finally get together is is nice. I mean, I like that. Um, there is one other thing I, I do want to mention real quick the uh, the kissing scene in her apartment mm-hmm. uh, when they uh, when they decide to have dinner and then he leaves and learns the plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that that two minute and forty second long scene of them kissing, yeah, uh, was specifically designed to flaunt the Hayes Code uh, because you'll notice you'll notice in watching it their lips touch for about ten seconds, okay, and then and then they break, um, and they're still embraced and very close, but she'll say something about having dinner there, or he'll say something. Um, what, what was the haze code specifically? Like, how long? Were, like, is there a limit on how how much lip contact can occur? Three seconds of kissing Ooh. was the haze code, uh, and they they stretched that three second kiss into two minutes and forty seconds. Nice. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I what think, a re- what, I think, what a weird thing to put a limit on. 
Yeah, the Hayes Code was, a lot of, was weird in a lot of ways. Weird in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm sure it was like a loophole that was very quickly closed. Um, I think your problem with the uh, with the brazenness of the Nazi plan uh, is that in in the world that this movie came out in, uh, there was enough intrigue established by the details we have uh, to to keep that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I'm just thinking. Like, I feel like I he could have done better. That's all I'm saying. Today, today it would have been replaced with something a little more complicated because general audience know enough that just having uranium isn't a problem. Though maybe not because just having uranium is one of the reasons we hate Syria right now. Right, right. No, um, I mean, I, I get, I mean, I get that part, and I understand that that's just, yeah. it's just a keyword. It's like any any other set of keywords. I'm just saying. That, like, he could have made his MacGuffin more interesting. He probably could it have. It could have been written more interestingly. Instead of just picking a been... few keywords and then, like, throwing them into a basket. But I think anything else that would have had the same intrigue would have uh, affected the plot too much. Like, if they were planning on assassinating the U.S. president. Um, no, we could, have, we could have made that happen. A, ch- a change of venue, it would have been... There would have been a lot of things. Right, well, it seems like, okay, we want to be in Brazil... And we want a spy. Okay. I guess they could have they could have forced a coup, been trying to force a coup in Brazil totally to take possible. it over. But but uh, but still, I think there's yeah. It's just you know, I mean, it's just one of those things that like it's think, in there and think, it's not the crux of the story, but it is because the MacGuffin is still what our characters <laughs> aim at. Well, you know what I mean? Like they're I, that's still what they're going for. I think there was enough there that it was just enough. To be a thing that they wouldn't have to deal with it outside of the love story they wanted to see. Right, and I, yeah, I understand. It's just, eh. Whereas any bigger plan or any more detail, and we would have had to explore that. Right, and we would have had to have multiple locations. Yeah, where we don't want to explore it because we're just telling the story of these three people in a love triangle. Oh, and then, Um, okay, so let's get into the love triangle then. Because that's what the movie is about. Okay. Yeah. So we have yeah. a man who is a a huge mama's boy, <laughs> yes. slash Nazi, yes, who doesn't Nazi find ma- it boy. even remotely unusual that a woman he was in love with, although we don't get a lot of explanation of what, how that all works out. Um, yeah, uh, though she clearly had rebuffed him. Right, yeah, had like shut him down. Shows yeah. up saying she wanted to spend time with him, basically. Yeah, out of nowhere in Brazil. In Brazil, out of nowhere. Say again, and then he just buys, just hook, line, and sinker into the concept that like it was just an accidental meeting. Come on. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then the other two members of this love triangle are a woman whose behavior is could be described as errat- erratic at best. <laughs> and yes. I don't mean from like that. Like I, I don't. Her personality is a little hard to lock down. Yeah. Well, it I gets think, clearer I think, as we move along, but it is still a little hard to lock down because her reactions at the beginning of the movie are very don't seem to jive with the woman we spend most of the movie with. Well, I think I think that's um, that's what makes uh, Bergman's character interesting. What it does. Makes her, what makes Alicia interesting is that uh, at the beginning, while she's drunk, uh, she's playing into what. Cary Grant's character uh, Devlin uh, expects her to be and he expects her to be this wild loose woman uh, and 
she's drunk, but I think she probably has some pretty good reasons for being drunk at that moment in her life. Right, and I and I um, understand that, but like, it's weird because like, why is she playing into his image of her? I s- at that time, I don't know. And that's what is maybe, a little bit odd to me. Maybe because she's so tired of dealing with cops in that moment. Right, but she doesn't she... know he's a cop. Well, yeah. I, I, when it, when the scene first starts, that's true. She doesn't know he's a cop until the end of the... Until the police. The, and then uh, it just becomes a weird wrestling match where he uses very <laughs> inappropriate force. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is, that is also true. Um, but I think, I think throughout the film, he views her still in that light. He does, and which makes he, him a really shitty detective or whatever he is. When he lets that... Uh, when he lets that fly a little more um, is when uh, when she pulls away and and it's sort of he and maybe in a way he's using that he's he's using he's letting her believe that he believes that in order to get her to go along with the plan. Right, but um, although but he doesn't really seem too keen on the plan, which is weird. Like I mean, he doesn't. But I think I think. I think he doesn't seem too keen on the plan because he uh, he realizes that there's nothing he could say to uh, to change the plan. Right. Uh, and he does protest the plan, but very, very faintly. He could protest it more um, when they tell him the plan and he says, well, I don't think she'll go for it. Uh, it's because uh, he's, he's then, he believes at that moment that she's not the person that the agency believes she is. Right. That he that he believes she was at the beginning of the film. Um, and but he can't fight against the agency in that, or chooses not to for some reason. Right. Uh, because he could he could say because we're in love and and I don't think and then they'd say you know you're off the, the case hand in is, your gun and badge. Yeah. Well, the fact that you're in love with her is blinding you to to the reality of who she Which is. Which is what also could um, happen. But then, but then, okay. So, but then he kind of reverts, and I guess uses some sort of weird defense mechanism, assuming that she is the yeah. thing that she's already proven yeah. to him that she's not. Because, and she's doing that too as a defense mechanism because she wants. If if she doesn't play the part that he wants her to play then she'll look vulnerable and he'll it would hurt him it's it's very it's very good in that way but it's also a little confusing just because we get into that classic like oh if somebody would just fucking say something yeah yeah always true (laughs) which i understand is the thing about any of these love movies but it's always like could one of you just maybe express yourself yeah yeah we would get. We I think we'd make a lot of progress if one of you would just open your mouth and say something that was true. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's the that's the plot of these films. Too, I know, but that's why they drive that, me up a freaking wall. That's why I don't yeah, watch romance is, movies. Is that the climax of the film is always uh, someone finally communicating clearly? Um. Right, and 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 that's but yeah, and I get, but you know, and then you you, I think my I I have a tendency to run away with it too much in my head. And I start yeah. imagining also what their life together will be like. If this is their <laughs> level of communication, it takes near-death experience at Nazi hands to get one of them to fucking say something true. It's, I mean, like, okay, guys, like, it seems like your lines of communication are going to have a lot of difficulty in yes. the future. I, it's just one of those weird this things where, be... like, love story, this is a thing that bothers me in love story. I, 
I prefer the romantic kind of the on a personal level I prefer kind of the more romantic comedy route where it's yeah. less about a lack of communication and more about like a lack of understanding or or actual physical ability for some reason like you know some some actual physical world impediment or something like that that they overcome because it when the, when their difficulty is a lack of ability to communicate with each other and not because of weird linguistic issues but because of uh you know not an unwillingness to communicate earnestly you just sit there going like okay so these two are in love in air quotes and then but obviously not very yeah because that neither of them does a lot of f makes a lot of effort to actually be with the other uh, and then he does something yeah. heroic and that's the end <laughs> which is like yes. it's also like a pretty in a weird he way does kind something. Of a pretty <laughs> shitty wrap up right to a movie that's mostly supposed to be about her yeah yeah well uh yeah i mean that's, as far as that's I the other thing that's the other thing this film uh is mostly about her, but it's still... They're all pawns to the story, unfortunately. Um, and uh, that's, uh, you know... That's obviously true for any story. Right, <laughs> yes. You know, but, since since but they do awesome. have author, and, and that's their stuff. Yeah. But, but, uh, <laughs> like if, but otherwise, that's sort of actual life, where things just happen to unfold the way they unfold. Yeah. Um, but, uh... Yeah, she just, you know, the fact that she gets sick at the end and, and needs to be rescued, gets sick, is poisoned and needs to be rescued, uh, is unfortunate, but um, it was, she had agency, she has the agency, um, more or less, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it seems... Well, and uh, the, the nice thing is her lack of agency very... is not because of who she is, but because of her situation it's like yeah i mean it's a little bit different she's her lack of agency is not caused directly by her being a woman for example or something like that her her lack of agency is caused by the villain taking away her agency but um well in that specific moment right yes but but her lack of there's a more overarching lack of agency because she feels obligated to enter this redemption story at the beginning that's true Um, that's true but and that's at of, least it, and at least again that's is guilted guilted into entering it by Devlin. That's true, uh, and he is a very manipulative, horrible person. But <laughs> yes, um, but I suppose she still kind of enters into it freely. She seems even on the plane, even before she she agrees to go, and she's she's interested in being there. You know, she's not. He convinces her, but. But she still actively makes that decision. He right, pushes yeah. her toward I mean, that decision. He, she is, but she, yeah, she at least she, seems comfortable with that decision. And, uh, and you know, and you can kind of see it. Like she does enter into this redemption thing, but also like there's a certain element of like the thrill of it. She's obviously kind of like the, does a good job of like I'm enjoying playing spy. Yeah, to it as well. It doesn't really become clear to her until much later that like this is a thing that will actually get her killed. Yeah. Until, well, essentially until she finds out that that other guy has just disappeared. And then it becomes like, oh, like, I I could die at this. This is a thing that could kill <laughs> yeah. me. Like, but, you know, I, yeah. mean, that, I think that's that's actually fairly, I think, probably fairly true to life and such. 
playing spy sounds really fun until yeah until somebody yeah. gets champagne to death <laughs> uh, I, okay I, I need to go back though I gotta go back for just a second oh by all means it just I know I don't want to talk about the MacGuffin anymore but they didn't think people were gonna open the boxes with the champagne bottles and nose that they're filled with fucking sand <laughs> Well, apparently not. Were they just stockpiling? Was that the plan? They're not trying to ship it because putting in in champagne bottles seems like you're going. You're going. Your effort is to like smuggle it somewhere. As it turns out, uh, well, I mean, I think they were probably smuggling it from, uh, from out of. I don't. One obviously. Uranium ore and champagne are not the same density. So yeah, I mean, there's a so lot of issues. It's a here. bad, it's a bad plan there. But I think they were probably trying to smuggle it uh, into Brazil. Um, and so you're thinking they're brought in the champagne bottles and they don't bother to take so them I don't out know. of the champagne bottles because you know that makes their their um, you know their life a lot easier having a cellar full of half champagne, half sand well you'll notice you'll notice very specifically that that only champagne bottles of a specific vintage are uh are filled with sand that's that's how he discovers right that it's been replaced in fact um 1934 i think was that vintage right Um, which which but the which is weird because one also had sand in it didn't it no 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 no. doesn't he pick it up uh, and investigate it he uh no, what happened was they broke. He broke right. the. Gotcha. Devlin broke the bottle, so she. He told Which, her. By the to way, grab everything bad that, that happens to her is his fault. I think that's kind of interesting. That is true. Uh, so he tells her to grab one a bottle that looks like the others, and she does so, but grabs one of a different vintage because all of the all of the ones on that shelf are the same vintage, right? All nineteen thirty four, and they're all labeled by the year. Um, yeah, whether or not it's actually 1934, it, it will be for this discussion. It is. I'm, I'm almost positive it is, though. Um, whereas she grabs 1940 or whatever. Yeah, she doesn't grab 1940. It, dumps it out, which is why there's wine in the bottom of that basin that uh, oh, Sebastian sees. Oh, yeah, I miss, somehow I miss her dumping it out. That's the part I can yeah, miss. and then Devlin fills it with the sand, puts, uh, puts the foil back around the top, Um and puts it back on the shelf. A to thing make it that if you've like ever because, tried to do is actually fucking impossible. Yeah, which is which is why Magic. why the plan is the plan is very easily discovered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. It should it have been not, discovered it was, even faster. It was not thought out. It was not. It was not a well thought out. Cover no, up. it wasn't. Um, I, and I like their like kissing each other in the it, it, as cover up is also just like the yeah weirdest Could, idea ever. But that didn't help things she, at all, considering how suspicious he guy. is already. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. This doesn't make... Um, this plan does not make any sense, Devlin. <laughs> You're a fucking moron. Apparently, he's just not very good at thinking on the fly. He's just not That's, a very good spy, is what he is. He's not he's a very really good shitty spy. at his job. And, like, it's it goes to show you that in 1946, like, you couldn't, like... You could just catch a Nazi by swinging a dead cat. <laughs> Like, you didn't even, apparently, like, you didn't even have to be good at Nazi hunting. Apparently in South America, that was true. Yeah, apparently, yeah. (laughs) But, like, it's just kind of interesting that, like, this man who is extremely shitty at his job, plus woman who has never done any spy work at all, still managed to catch Nazis. 
I'm just surprised that every... a Nazi plot, nonetheless. Yeah, I'm just surprised that all the Nazis didn't have uh, weird eye uh, eye scars. <laughs> weird eye scars, monocles, or like yeah. randomly like do weird salutes or something. Uh, when uh, when Sebastian first introduces Alicia to the other members of the Nazi plot, I'll under assume names, obviously. Right. Uh, is is one of the assumed names in the middle? I I didn't catch it. The first time I watched it uh, in the theater, but I'm pretty sure one of them is named Barry Allen. Possible, <laughs> something like that. There were a lot yeah. of really weird names, and also um, those Nazis seem like the most pleasant people on earth. <laughs> like when they they're introduced pretty... to her, it's like, oh, these people are lovely. Yeah, I just think that's funny as well. But they're also super duper murdery. Because they're like, like, even like the smallest mi- mistake in their cabal just gets you, gets you yeah. disappeared. Which is like, what? there's only, there's only five of them, but yet like they're just willing, how, they're just so willing to just murder anybody in their cabal. How big was it's like how, how big what are you gonna this? do once you kill all the important people? Well, we'll find big, more. This is not Hydra. The heads will not grow back. There are only five of you. Yeah. Maybe maybe there were forty when they first got there. Oh yeah, I like this uh-huh. idea. Like just this war of attrition on themselves. Like yeah, um, there's one of them left. And he's like, oh shit, what am I gonna do now? I don't know how. I don't know I, how to purify uranium. On that, what I don't understand is uh, the guy they kill, uh, and I don't remember which one it was. Whatever. Yeah, weird um, eyeglass guy. Yeah, right. Didn't he have glasses? Uh, but, but the guy they kill, he they kill because they reacted in front of Alyssa. Uh, um, he reacted to the wine bottles, but shouldn't he know uh, that the that the champagne that and bottles that contain the uranium are of this specific vintage, See, and there's I multiple bottles of this type of champagne in the house? Confusing. Yeah, I actually thought that this wine bottle was supposed to be like a sentence for him. Like, I thought, oh. like, showing him the wine bottle was, like, letting him know that he was a fucking dead man or something. Like, they wanted nah. to show him that wine bottle as some connection to whatever he did wrong. That is, uh... That is not my understanding of it? Right, but we don't have any information to, to indicate one way yeah. or the other. Like, the reaction I saw on his face read to me as fear. But not fear of drinking that because, like, duh, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just not a mistake anybody was going to make. And he should know. So, like, in my mind, I read it as we are showing him this wine bottle because, like, maybe it's got the wrong vintage on it or something like that. And, like, we're pissed at him and we're letting him know he's going to fucking die. I'm pretty sure he apologizes for his agitation in public. Um, Public. Uh, She's the only non- like, like, mom certainly knows that what the plot is, right? Uh, so, the super, super Nazi old lady knows what's yeah. up. So, it, so it's only for reacting in front of Alicia. Um, but uh, um, I really feel like it was him reacting that got him killed, uh, because he breaks under even a slight amount of pressure. Uh, it's also indicative that he can't be trusted with greater pressure and whatever the plan is moving forward there's going to be greater pressure but uh but yeah that's yeah i just I that was I, I, my it impression feel that way to me like i'm reading the the uh wikipedia and it's not helping but like no the plot synopsis on wikipedia does not uh, like i was just you know i was hoping there was but like i to me it just didn't read that way because like 
there's no... I don't feel like your version makes sense. Because that would be ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, in to my mind. Just because, like, if that's yeah. the case, that means that, like, this plot that they've been doing for, like, four years, every time he saw the wine bottles come out, he fucking flipped his lid? Is it because she's well, there? I think, but, like, that doesn't well, matter. Well, I think it's... They don't have guests I think it, ever? It could possibly be be because she's here and he he's reacting to to the idea that they might be uh using those bottles in front of her um but i don't know i don't know man i really i don't i i, don't. I still i i still still to this point feel like that was meant to be a symbol for him yeah to let him know that his days were up somehow or another Either because, like, he's in charge of bottling and he put the wrong label on it or something. And he's, you know, they, like, want to show him or, 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 like, something's wrong. Like, because, like, there, every party they have, there would be there would be that champagne. Like, that's, like, all that diet dude seems to drink. Yeah, yeah, some, some, uh, some vintage of that champagne is all he ever has. And so, uh, like, to my mind, like, they have to have had guests and stuff before. Yeah. And had that champagne. Like, you saw the party that they had. You know, I mean, like, he would have attended something like that previously, I assume. Maybe he was brand new to the cabal, and they're like, oh, nope, that, nope, nope, he fails. <laughs> he just made it in. Yeah, he just passed his test, and then, and then this, no, or this is the final <laughs> test. And... Well, you passed the written exam, but, uh... <laughs> Ooh, yeah, the oral, well, yeah, he did not handle that one. Mm. No, we're gonna have no. to take you for a drive. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it, it. I understand that it's necessary to give away that there's something wrong with the wine bottles, but like, yeah, I, I actually that is one point where I could have used some more clarification on like what yeah. happened to that guy, like what caused his death. Because well, they, they does, said like later it, it does... killed them for nothing. Killed him for nothing. It's a convenient thing that that provides two key pieces of information for Alicia. One, that there's something about the wine. And two, that uh, there is the danger of her death. Right. Um, whether or not on a specific storyline for this guy's story, uh, if that works out... Um, is is beyond the scope that it it, it serves it a function within the story. I I, I just feel tell. like there feels like and to, to for me just to put like I don't want to beat this dead horse. There feels like a lot of shit in here that is just to serve the function of the story. Yeah, I prefer generally the stories that feel like even those pieces that we only see glimmers of could theoretically branch off into their own thing. Could have you yeah. Know, it feels yeah. like and I put in these key points to make sure that this plot functions. Yeah, a well a well crafted story would allow for everyone else's story to make sense. Right, and I um, and like there's a lot of people's stories who are a little bit suspect. Yeah. But we're not we're not necessarily out there uh, to make everybody a 3D character. Uh, no, I, understand that. I understand that. But we're certainly that. we're certainly also not out there to do that. But this, when somebody gives away time. key points about the story, I expect yeah. their characters to have not necessarily a lot more depth, but at least 
have logical reasons for the way that they're behaving. Which is, I think, probably why I'm also a little bit, was a little bit disappointed with the MacGuffin itself. Is yeah. MacGuffin or not, like, I would like you to be able to tell me. I would like somebody with even a casual thought to tell me how that plan was going to work out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, you, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, we get into, like, Dr. Evil level shit here. When it's yeah. like, well, I've built a huge freaking laser. What else do you need to know? You know what I mean? Like, it, it needs, I need, yeah. and the same with him. Like, that guy, he gives away a ton of information. He he makes it so that her plot moves forward. But yeah. since he exists only for that, it's like, well, just have him react to the wine bottles. That'll do it. Well, why does he react to the wine bottles? I need to know, Adam. I need to be able to conceive of that notion myself personally. Yeah. And there's a couple other things like along those lines. I mean... He's not he. Those two examples are not the only situations where it's like, oh, well, that just progresses the story, so it has to be that way. Um, but you know, I mean, as I enjoy it. I mean, it's a nice love story, I guess, between a man who has severe emotional issues and a woman who probably should find a different guy to like. Yeah, yeah. Well, considering considering that the villain of the film probably legitimately loves her more, yeah, it's probably and actually truer. other than the other than the whole Nazi <clears throat> thing, probably would have been a better. Yeah, uh, except except that he's a bad guy and obviously has mother, mother issues. issues. Yeah. I think the mother uh, issues would have been a problem, though. I mean, like the bad guy thing, whatever. whatever. Well, ultimately, ultimately, she is the uh, the overbearing mother-in-law who doesn't trust the the younger new wife. Um, which is uh, which is a, a very common trope too. It is, although it's um, it's 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 extra exciting when she is Nazi, <laughs> when she's also a Nazi, when she also has an ice scar. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah, and a monocle. Uh, <laughs> talks with with a really weirdly ma- mangled German accent. Who immediately who immediately says, "Oh no, you'll be fine," because everyone knows how stupid you are. Yeah, yeah. She's like, she's a weird cross between. She is Nazi mom. Yeah, there's no way around yeah. it. Like there, that is a trope in and of itself. It has to be, or something very close. She's not just overbearing <laughs> mother-in-law. She is Nazi mom. Yeah, like it. Like what we get, we get Futurama. You get the 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 lady who runs the robot company. Yes, yes, yes. You get you know you get that occasionally. That like super villainous mom. <laughs> not just overbearing, but overbearing to uh, to a. Uh just evil degree yeah exactly yeah like abusive yeah love it we need more time with her in this film <laughs> maybe we'll, i want to see what we'll she start does work- with her free time we'll start working on the prequel about his mother oh that would be super because she's pretty much maybe in charge or like one of the bosses right how did that work out yeah, yeah, it, it's it's interesting because uh, she's not involved in any of the meetings, um, but she still knows everything that's going it on. Seems or really seems really important. To. Yeah, um, is that like just like oh well in in <laughs> in Nazi land we're very we're very strong on family values, so you know <laughs> we have to respect our our mothers. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a bit odd. Obviously, She's just an extra character that needs to be around, but yeah, and it's uh, you know, it's her. She suggests 
when when she asks asks uh, asks Sebastian to uh, leave Alicia to her, um, because does she say? I think she says that the reaction was too swift with the guy with the wine bottles. I think she actually says something about she that. She might have, yeah, if I remember correctly, um, or too too blatant at least. So, so he suggests she suggests leaving uh, leaving Alicia to her, uh, which suggests that she's got some sort of background that Alex would would believe that she, she was capable of yeah. this at least. Which is like, yeah. oh yeah, my mother, my mother, this this the the secret murderess. <laughs> yeah. Well, what happened to Alex's father? Good point. <laughs> I assume he overreacted to a wine bottle at some point, and then was and then was disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's confusing, though, right? Because I get the impression, it being 1946, I assume Alex was already a key member of the party before they got to Brazil. You would think. So it's a little confusing, right? Because it's almost like, the, yeah, I mean, it's a bit odd, right? Like, because he didn't join after he got there. Because they've only had one year. Yeah. Although they also make it sound like this cabal's been running for five freaking years, even though it's impossible, <laughs> but whatever. Well, I think, I think part of uh, part of the implication of, of Nazis in Brazil having a cabal is uh, is that these were uh, established. They were somehow or something. They were yeah. They were somehow an established uh, group of Nazi officials who are just trying to carry on the Nazi tradition uh, when they get here. Yeah. Which it's kind of interesting to imagine what a five-person Nazi tradition looks like. You find <laughs> well, like a I said, single were... Jewish man and then treat him poorly. <laughs> oh dear! No, I mean I, yes. I just don't know what like what is a Nazi cabal of five people. Uh, uh, I, I don't well, know I think what that is. I think probably at this point uh, the uh, mostly uranium focused. The non-Hitler, uh, the non-Hitler uh, Nazis are all about. Uh, just uh, cementing power, not a yeah. Well, less, that's what I'm saying. Is like it's, it's less keen on the racial purity, right? Aspects and then of more things. into just being general bad guys. Yeah, which is yeah. odd in and of itself. And I think I think that might be true to reality too. Probably, I think, but, I think probably probably. Well, no, the I, think, Nazis I think the truest fleed. thing to reality is probably I'm going to be honestly. I think the truest thing to reality is probably I'm going to go to this place where no one can and find just hide. me, and I'm just going yeah. to not be that guy I was. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be invisible, man. Hopefully and I think I think that's probably that's probably life. true. That's probably true for the ten thousand Nazis who escaped to South America. They weren't looking to establish right. I don't, uh, I don't, a government yeah. in exile. They weren't looking. I mean, to some of them might have the, been, but I mean, some of them might have been. I mean, some of them might have been trying to get power, but I mean, that may just be so. So were lots of people, you know, who are not Nazis. <laughs> um, I think it's obviously from the history of real life uh, that there was no uh, no secret group of Nazis in South America Build, trying to put together an army. Bombs, yeah, an, an army, yeah. Well, they're not doing <laughs> yeah. a very good job if they're trying to build an army because they just keep killing random dudes. So <laughs> everybody true. who tries to join gets murdered because they they're... one of uh, one of the main principal things that you want to do when trying to build an army is not kill your army. <laughs> kill random members for, for minor offenses, yes. Generally. Um, one other thing I want to talk about is like, 
when they name the group, okay, like they they didn't pick a group that sounds like a Nazi cabal, but rather a group that sounds like a Nazi chemical company. I can't remember what the group was. They called. call them Farben, which just Arben. means color. Okay. It sounds like you know, like a like a. It sounds like. In fact, I believe there might actually be a a company called Farben. That is a chemical company. <laughs> what I mean is, they just picked a really like super hyper generic like general German word company name. Like, yeah, it's real weird. Like it's like when they start, first started talking about it. Actually, when they introduced it, I was like, "Oh, this is like somebody the, the Nazis fleed here and set up a chemical corporation." I, <laughs> like, Ig Farben. Yeah, there you go. Ig Farben is in fact a German chemical Told industrial conglomerate. Um, <laughs> knew it. I was like, "That's so familiar." What's going? And it's I imagine it is very old. I had to. Uh, I guess. Yeah, it was founded in 1925. So this is this is actually possibly just an attack on, uh, on Farben. Although uh, interestingly for being, enough, for being a Nazi organization, because whether or not whether whether or not it was was obviously a, a a German chemical company is going to be working for the German war machine, whether or not. <clears throat> whether or not the people in charge of the company uh, are uh, are part of the German uh, hierarchy, whether or not whether or not they're Nazis, they're still Germans, right? Uh, and uh, and certainly a lot of a lot of the German war machine were Germans, national nationalistically Germans, but not Nazis, right? Um, that is that is an unfortunate side effect. Uh, apparently. Uh, Apparently, John D. Rockefeller got in trouble with, uh, or or was under investigation for some collaboration with with uh, Farben just prior to the war. Yeah, I can Hooray. see. That. Yeah, well, I mean, like, and any and That's... all German chemical companies and stuff were, you know. Oh, oh, that's great. What? Uh Farben owned the patent to Zyklon B. Right, but didn't Bayer produce it? I don't know who produced I thought, it. I thought Farben, I read that sometime in the past. Farben owned the copyright, owned the patent to it. Um, I don't know. Anyway. It's just, yeah, I mean, that's just what it is what it is. I, it's just interesting yeah. because like they pick it for this, but it seems less random. Yeah. It seems more random yeah, it, than that. Yeah. It's like this is a name this is a sound a German sounding word that all Well it's possible Americans it's possible recognize. that in the news of of nineteen forty five, nineteen forty six would have been the Nuremberg trials would, in which they were prosecuting yeah, Far- groups like IG Farben. Yeah. yeah, Farben probably would have been a name that people would have associated with chemicals. And right, chemical exactly. Warfare. And that's why I think was the the deal here, and I think that's yeah. why they named it. But to me it's Removed as we are, it sounds yeah. so. It's just, it's just a name, and it's just a thing. Yeah, it, it sounds so benign, relative to like, yeah. you know, now nowadays when you want to make like, for example, you know, I watch, you know, I read a lot of comic books and stuff, right? Like then, whatever, whatever Nazi organization would have the most dramatic, like unnecessarily dramatic name possible, right? It would be, it would all be yeah. very heavily consonanted and such. But yeah, no, it's just you know, it's just funny. It was like Farben. Wait, wait a minute, that's 
That's a thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's legitimately. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I think it's I think it's it might even be. I think it's legitimately supposed to be. I think so too. Uh, now, like now that I've now connection. that we've done a little yeah. bit more research. Yeah, it just doesn't but, uh, sound very sinister. Is all. <laughs> well, maybe it was more sinister at the time. I'm sure it was. Is, is I'm sure that was the deal. Yeah. Now that I know um, a little bit more. But, yeah. <laughs> what the heck? What? Uh, IG Farben began uh, began liquidating assets in 1952. Uh, they finally went defunct, uh, closed their doors, having having successfully liquidated everything in October of 2012. <laughs> wow. That took nothing to long... do with the film, but that's just that's just a weird bit of information. Well, where do you see? Because like I, because I, I, the thing I'm reading right now is as of 2012, just... it still exists as a corporation in liquidation. Maybe, maybe that was uh, that was just uh, different. A buy a a tick line on the gray box on Wikipedia. Oh, interesting. Uh, on the right, um, it says defunct. Uh, oh, October, yeah, liquidation accomplished. October. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, so yeah, that's just how weird. How weird that that's a thing that happened. Maybe they couldn't find anyone to buy Zyklon B from them. Right. That was the hard one. They're like, we just yeah. did somebody buy it as a rat killer or something. Please, just get rid of it. We uh, we can't just destroy it ourselves. It's against the terms of our our bankruptcy. Um, anyway, yeah. So I definitely, again, I think this is probably, probably the best Hitchcock out of the forties, um, which still puts us, you know, it was his work in the in the fifties, The Birds and, and Rear Window and Psycho that was really, really um, Hitchcock. Yeah, to a lot of people. yeah, yeah, and I and I, but I think that this, this is a little bit more actually probably a little yeah. bit more actual Hitchcock, but. Yeah, um, but at the same time, I you know I mean I I will I'll look forward to future works to see if he irons out some of the things that I felt needed a little bit more energy. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but we're not going to find out for a while. Yeah. Well, next week, stay next tuned. week we are we are done with Hitchcock. No. Uh, after this string. Oh, don't don't be sad. Don't What's be next? sad. Next, we uh, get to talk about Rashomon, Kira Kurosawa, nineteen fifty. I have been waiting to watch this one. Yeah, it's an excellent classic film. Uh, so we will uh, we'll talk about that next time. Thank you once again for listening to Lost in Criterion. We've been talking about Notorious, nineteen forty six, Alfred Hitchcock, and a few other things along the way. Yes, but uh, thanks for listening. We'll t- see you soon. Bye. Bye.
You've been listening to Lost in Criterion, a production of WithTwoBrains.com, hosted by Pat Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who also edits it down. Jonathan Hape did the music. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com. Look for us on iTunes. Or reach out to us at facebook.com slash lostincriterion or lostincriterion at gmail.com.